Um, I was certainly not always a full-time real estate investor. I, uh, I started off just buying one property at a time, the traditional way, and then I got stuck. This is The Real Estate Pod. I'm Ed Barone, co-founder of RentReady, the platform that makes renting easy for landlords and tenants. With this podcast, we aim to help landlords learn, scale, and invest. We also want to help you tackle the business side of real estate investing because being an investor or getting your first investment requires you to be an entrepreneur. It's about mindset and strategy. Stacy Rossetti is hosting the show today as part of a series that focuses on conversations with the women who are crushing it in real estate. Stacy herself is a real estate investing expert and coach out in Peachtree, Georgia, who specializes in real estate investing, rehabbing, and storage units. Let's get started. Everybody, I'm back. This is Stacy Rossetti with the Rent Ready Podcast, Badass Women Real Estate Investors. And that's what we do is we talk to women investors across the country and even outside the country. Now we're going global. And we talk to women ac- uh, across the nation that invest in real estate and we talk about kind of what they do. So today I have a special guest. Her name is Melanie Dupree and she invests in multifamily. So what we're going to do is just get, get to know her and how she got started in the business. And maybe she can give us some tips and tricks on how uh, we can get started as well, too. So thank you for coming to hang out with us, Melanie. Well, thank you so much for having me, Stacey. Great to, great to be here. Nice to, yeah, nice to see you. Nice to meet you. So tell me a little bit about yourself, how you got started, where you come from, et cetera. Yeah. So um, I'm now a full-time real estate investor. I specialize in buying multi-family properties, using none of my own money and also without joint venture partners. So uh, my husband, Dave, and I, um, we're well known over social media as Investor Mel and Dave. We solely own over 200 apartments and, and we scale using creative financing strategies such as owner financing, secured funds such as RSPs in Canada or 401k in the States and promissory notes as well. Um, I was certainly not always a full-time real estate investor. I uh, I started off just buying one property at a time, the traditional way. And then I got stuck. I knew that I wanted to leave my full-time job but buying one property at best a year, every two years. I knew that I just wouldn't be able to quit my job um, while my kids were still young. So with creative financing, we bought 12 properties in 12 months. And then the next year I was able to quit my full-time job. Awesome. So, so how long have you been investing in real estate? So uh, over 10 years now, um, not always with the creative financing, but uh, about 10 years with uh, overall with real estate. Okay. That's about when me too. I got in like 2010, 2011, right on the upturn. Those were the good old days, right? Yep. Yep. Just after the the 5%, right? Remember those days? Exactly. (laughs) So tell me how, like, what kind of deals did you start off with? Did you do rehabbing or did you just start out directly into multifamily? Yeah, my first one was a duplex and uh, well, actually I shouldn't say that it was a single dwelling home and it ended up being a big mistake. Uh, So my first one I purchased, I thought I thought I knew what I was doing. I purchased it and I decided to convert it to a duplex to help with the return on investment, have that extra income coming in. And that's exactly what I did. So put it downstairs, um, sweet, kind of like granny sweet type of thing downstairs. And everything was great at first. I was cash flowing and I was making great money. And, and until one day I got a knock on the door saying that it's illegal. Um, it's not illegally zoned, um, a dwelling that I had to convert it back into a single dwelling. So I had to convert it back and 
then I ended up selling it because it just didn't cash flow enough. So how did they even find out about that? Well, it was interesting because it, my, my, that property just came back to fruition. So I had purchased it, I converted into a duplex, and then I knew that it would be appraised as a duplex at a higher amount. So I went through the process of getting it refinanced. And as part of the refinance thing, they have to check to make sure that it's zoned properly, which back then I didn't understand or didn't know about. And uh, when I went to do that, then that's how they found out that it wasn't and, and it was too expensive and just not worth the headache to convert, to try to convert it. Cause I don't think I would have been successful at it anyhow. Yeah. Yeah. So then from there, you, since uh, from there, what happened? What, how did you- well, from there, I decided not to give up um, and uh, always check the zoning before purchasing anything. So I don't take, you know, and somebody else's advice for it. I, I, I do my own due diligence now. So I'll pick up the phone either myself or Dave to make sure that it's zoned properly. And, uh, and then I kept buying duplex, a triplex, a fiveplex. And, uh, but again, we were working all the time. Dave was a full-time firefighter. I was working full-time at our local college. And then we both took additional jobs as well. And we were, we just weren't able to scale. We were trading our time for money. And, uh, and then we're on a trip to Florida with the kids and, and we listened to the audiobook rich dad, poor dad, Robert Kiyosaki, which completely changed our mindset about leveraging and debt. And we had heard about creative financing, but we thought it was maybe illegal or a scam or, you know, we, we, I, I guess the fear of the unknown. And once we realized the power of all of that, we decided to, uh, to, to do some research. And that's when we digged right into creative financing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when you say, when you say creative financing, what kind of like, what kind of creative deals do y'all do? Yeah. So we never, ever put any of our own money into the deals. So it's always a hundred percent finance in various ways. So we do a lot of owner financing or also known as seller financing or vendor take back. Um, we do a lot of promissory notes as well, most recently, mostly and, uh, secured funds as well. So RSPs or 401k. Okay, cool. So tell me what kind of deals uh, do you usually get, uh, owner financed? Is it like small multifamily yeah. I mean, anything like I, we just purchased a lake house for ourselves uh, and that one we use creative financing even for our cottage. And, um, and then we also, we used creative financing for our biggest ones of 50 plex. So last year we bought 119 apartments and all of them were through creative financing. So we'll typically try for owner financing. That's usually the easiest way to get started is owner financing because they know the deal, they understand the deal, they know the building. And um, if they have equity in the the property quite often they do it because it benefits them as well. But if they're not open to creative financing or they want to be paid out because they want the money or they're continuing to grow their own portfolio, that's when we'll explore secured funds or promissory notes. Mm-hmm. So for a lot of people that aren't uh, like are listening and they don't know what creative uh, financing is essentially what she's talking about is like, there's a lot of different ways for you to, you know, to the, buy the property by using the equity in the property is what basically what she's saying. So owner financing would be essentially like the owner is the the person that's holding the note. 
right? Do you do just owner financing or do you do like lease options or do you do uh, subject to or anything like that? Is it we don't, different? we don't have all that in Canada. So okay. it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty simple here. It's, it's just owner financing um, where, yeah, they, they hold the financing essentially they become like the bank, right? That's the easiest way to kind of explain it. So they, they are holding the mortgage on, on behalf. So, and we've had it different. Sometimes they hold the first mortgage. Um, sometimes they hold a hundred percent. We've done a hundred percent finance deals. We've done where they hold 25%. Um, or yeah, I mean, this, the building I'm in right now was 8% owner financed and 20% Mrs. RRSPs in this case. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. So tell me, so tell me what kind of, so if you can't do owner financing or creative deal structuring, you said you do like, I guess what you're saying is that you either, um, you find somebody to lend the money to you, right? Is that yeah. what you or you do like a fund or syndication? Yeah, we don't do any syndication. So, you know, that way we are the sole owners of the property. So we don't do joint venture partners. We don't do syndication. So essentially it is a some time, some type of a loan that we're doing, whether we're using the loan through promissory note or through secured funds. They We make it a win-win with the lenders, right? So they're going to make great money. They're making interest. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay to pay higher interest than I typically would at a, at a traditional bank because it enables me to scale as long as the deal can sustain it. So of course, some deals don't make sense, at a, especially at 100% finance. So it just depends of every deal. But uh, we I, we look at a lot of deals, right? When we bought 12 properties in 12 months, I looked at a lot more than 12 deals to find these 12. That was about 56 units. How is the market looking in Canada right now? It's hot. Hot. Okay. <laughs> it is hot all over in BC, in Ontario, Montreal, or Montreal, Quebec. It's it's hot pretty much everywhere. Even us, we're in the secondary market, and uh, it's uh, pe- people are overbidding, and and uh, yeah, the so it's the seller's market essentially. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen in like in the next year or so? I don't know. Is it gonna, are y'all speculating? Cause in America, everybody's like, it's going to crash. I know there's always so much speculation. I mean, I'm a buy and hold strategist, so I buy and hold my properties. And, and that's something I, I find that real estate investors often try to do. They, they try to time the market as opposed to, to being inside the market, being in the market and last year when same thing when COVID hit and everybody was holding off in fear instead of taking instead of being in fear we decided to take action we bought 119 apartments and this year we just closed on a Nateplex actually we got two other buildings and a million dollar um, one that we're closing on in June as well so we're continuing to take action because I'm not a flipper I'm a buy and hold and if there happens to be a crash I'm going to buy more properties and if there's no crash I will still continue because again overall I'm a buy and hold I'm not selling my properties sure I've sold a few throughout the years but overall I'm hanging on to all my buildings so even if there are dips in the market because I'm a long-term investor I'm not selling it anyhow. So for the 119 uh, unit, is it is 119 units essentially? Is Apartments, yes, correct. So 119 doors. Uh, did you get that one owner financed to you? It wasn't, it's different buildings. So the biggest one was a 50 plex, the smaller one was a four plex, and then kind of everything else in between. Oh, that I made so up the 119. Total of 119. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Got it. Okay. And yeah. you got and all those owner finance deals? No, uh, some, some, 
all of the above. So some of them were owner financed, some of them we used a promissory note, and some of them we used secured funds. So it just depends on the deal and and what we could get for it. For it, if the if they weren't willing to hold financing, but it was an awesome deal, like the fifty plex, for example. Well, we weren't going to stop there, so we got a promissory note, for example. I love that too. Yeah, this is exactly what I do with the storage facilities as well too. I mean, if if it's free and clear, or if it's like a, almost free and clear, I mean, you might as well just try to convince the owner that to be the bank because they're going to make so much more money out of it. Number one, and number two, they don't have to pay capital gains now. And that's in America. Do you guys have the same thing kind of in Canada? It's different here. Um, you guys do have some advantages that that we don't. Uh, but here, essentially, they get to defer their taxes, um, so it's not in all in one bracket year, which really, really helps as well. That's cool. I like yeah. that too. Awesome. All right. So now what is your, like, tell me what your goals are for the next couple of years. Now that you know that the market's going to be like a little bit crazy, what are y'all just getting out there and still doing the same thing or what? Are yeah, doing? we're continuing to buy real estate. Uh, we have our action family mentoring program as well. We've helped hundreds of students across Canada and the States as well by multifamily properties using our strategies. So we're continuing to, to help people do that as well. So just continuing to grow uh, both from the mentoring side and also from the acquisitioning side as well. On the, on the multifamily side. Um, so like, uh, when you teach and what, and what you do, the properties that you buy, are they pretty much all multifamily now? Pretty much. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You can do the same thing with single dwellings. I just personally prefer, again, this is a personal choice. I personally prefer multifamily. If one tenant doesn't pay rent in a fourplex, um, I still have rent coming in compared to single dwelling. I wouldn't. Um, but again, there's some advantages to, to single dwellings as well. So it's going to be a personal choice. The same strategies can be used. Like I mentioned, our lake house, we use other people's money. Um, so the, you can still use the same strategy. I, I have some of our students that are in super hot markets and they're investing in condos because the numbers work for them there. So again, it's it's just adjusting based on where you live and, and what you like as well. So um, with the with the multifamily, uh, what is what are can you give some tips and tricks on people that are just like I really want to get into multifamily, but I have no idea where to start. What would you suggest for them? Yeah, I mean you you have to make sure tenants finding the right tenants is really really important. Um, not being overly afraid of it. I mean, yes, there are some things that are different, but if you have some single dwellings, you're going to be able to get into multifamily, get some education on it as well. The reality is when you get, especially if you're going to be doing some creative financing, there's so many mistakes that can be done, made so easily. I shared one of them that I've made, but I've made so many other things, right? And and this is where you get into your business structure and the right kind of insurance claw. And you should be working with investor-focused agent and mortgage brokers and all these different people that you need as part of your team. Um, so there's a lot of moving parts. So being just understanding, take it one step at a time, get educated on it as well, uh, learn from other people's mistakes so you don't end up being in situations where you're stuck. <laughs> I always say, like, I always say to my students, every house is a lesson learned or, yeah. every, or every property is a lesson learned. Cause the truth yeah. of the matter is, is like, there is no property that's exactly the same like of the other ones. It's like every single time that you go through one property, it's always like some crazy thing is happening 11th hour, you know? So um, that's why I love exactly like what you do. I love like mentoring and like having, having people, I'm the type of person, like, I don't even want to just beat around the bush. Just tell me what to do. Tell me what not to do so that I don't screw it up. 
Exactly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> mistakes are very expensive and time consuming, right? So you always have a choice, either try to do it yourself and it's going to cost you more time and more money or invest in yourself and it's, you'll be able to fast forward your growth and save on time as well. I've always noticed too, like whenever I break off and I'm like, let me just do this on my own now. I always like, it's always takes so much longer to do. And then like, if I just listen to somebody and, and follow what they say, it's like everything just kind of falls into place. Well, they've, they've carved the way, right? So why, why not do that? And, and I'm a big believer as well. I mean, I'm not afraid to spend money on myself. I spent over 150K on myself and I don't regret a penny. I was able to quit my job in my thirties and, and Dave as well, and, and have the financial freedom we have now. So the return on investment is definitely worth it. As long as you take action and, and do something with the education you're receiving. Yes, I get that. I totally get that. I was going to ask too, real fast, like what's, what's happening with you guys uh, with like tenants? Are they all like freaking out with like not paying and stuff? No, you know, they've been really, really good. And um, I think that's part of the culture as well. We try to have really good culture with, with our tenants. Uh, we respect them in hopes that they'll respect us as well. Uh, we communicated with them, especially when everything hit at first, nobody knew what was going to happen. The majority of the tenants still paid rent um, when, when the pandemic initially hit. We, we did have some that were late in payment, but again, that communication piece was definitely there. And then we had some that didn't pay rent, um, of course, but they weren't paying pre-COVID anyhow. <laughs> so it was, it was just one of those situations that they weren't anyhow. And again, out of hundreds of tenants, of course, I'm going to get some that don't pay rent. And in that case, while you follow protocol, whether um, your state or province you're in, make sure to follow protocol and kind of deal with it. And that should be part of your calculations as well. But overall, overall, it's been good. There's been tons of government funding here in Canada as well to help with rent. So um, it's definitely helped it has helped for sure. The only thing is for eviction, we were on hold. So if we were in the process of evicting somebody, we had to wait a couple, a couple extra months. So that's, there was a delay, but again, it was only a handful of, of tenants. Do they have like, do you guys get any like landlord assistance and not, or is it only just tenant assistance? Uh, tenants. <laughs> no, I'm like, why can't the landlords get assistance as well? Too? Yeah. <laughs> Although businesses, there's been some government uh, funding for businesses overall. So I shouldn't say that there has been some government uh, funding for, for businesses, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sounds like kind of sounds like us. Do you guys normally pr uh, buy in like primary or secondary or tertiary markets? Kind of where we're secondary markets secondary. is our preference, okay. uh, especially for our own personal goals. Our goals were to leave our full time jobs and have that extra cash flow. We both made great money before, so had to have significant cash flow in order to to replace the income that was coming in. So hence why we decided on on a secondary market. We happen to live in a secondary market, and our team was here, so. It made it easier as well in that case. But now we're actually looking, um, we're making connections with, with uh, folks in, in the States. We definitely want to buy in the States and, and different places across Canada as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Are you guys, what's like, what's the normal cap rate for you guys for like a primary, secondary and tertiary market? Just out of curiosity. Yeah. And it depends in Ontario. I mean, so if you're going towards Toronto and, and whatnot, where we are higher cap, I mean, we it used to be like 11, 10. Now it's going down because it is a hotter market. Everything's picking up, but before they were pretty high cap rates. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. yeah. We, like high, we like high cap rates. 
Awesome. Okay, good. Any final tips and tricks or anything else you want to say? Talk about your coaching. How can people get a hold of you? Kind of, yeah, that'd be great. Let everybody know. About yeah, it. yeah. Well, we're all over social media. We we're on YouTube, we're on Instagram and TikTok. So if you want some more information, give us a follow. It's always investor Mel and Dave, uh, or just investor Mel Dave, one of the two. And uh yeah, we just reach out to us. We have a free masterclass regarding creative financing as well. So you can just DM us on any social media platform. We'll be able to tell you that. And essentially we help people buy multifamily using them, their own money. So it's a great way to scale and you get to do it without uh, JVs as well, if that's what you're looking to do. Awesome. I love it. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Yeah, uh, thank you. Another uh, badass women investor out there. So get out there, follow them. And I wish you guys the best. Thanks for listening. We're so grateful to be able to learn from these active investors, entrepreneurs, and all-around amazing individuals who want to share their success with you. The real estate investing community really is a unique community to be a part of. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can rate or review the podcast in whatever podcast app you're listening to. It would mean a great deal to us to learn what you like, what you don't like, and even questions we can answer on your behalf. You can also subscribe to The Real Estate Pod on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.